Welcome to the Leadership Upside Podcast with Chuck Carringer, where we discuss what successful leaders are doing, saying, and thinking. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Leadership Upside Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Carringer. Our guest today is Cindy Sweet. Cindy is a licensed realtor and previously served in a variety of roles in higher education. Cindy, welcome to Leadership Upside. Well, hey, Chuck. Thanks for having me on today. Cindy, as a realtor, you are, in essence, a small business owner. Let's start with what is often a very challenging task for small business owners, and that is business development and marketing. In your experience, what's worked best for you? Well, transitioning into real estate from a career in higher education, one of the very first things I had to do when I made that transition was let everyone in my sphere of influence, my contacts, my friends, my family, uh, people that I know or had known from different circles that I had been in, letting them know that uh, they, I am now in real estate and am no longer the higher ed professional. Very good. Let's stay on that sphere of influence or your network. Looking back, um, how significant is it that before you make the move, if a person is even considering it, are there some things that you began to do before you officially made the move to somewhat strengthen your network or refresh your network? There are some, some things that you can do. Um, obviously, when you're ready to start talking about the change and letting people that you've made the change, uh, it's you know easy to do with people that you see every day, people that you talk with every day. It's not as simple to let maybe your second tier uh, you know acquaintances, but people that you care about, but maybe you don't talk to them on a regular basis. And so one tip or trick that you can use to do that is to have a reason to reconnect with that person. And we live in a very social world these days online. And so one way that you can do that is to take a minute to scroll through their Facebook page or their Instagram, or if they have an online presence and re-familiarize yourself with what's been going on in their life, what they've been doing, what their family is into, and then maybe just shoot a quick message that says, hey, I enjoy seeing your updates on Facebook, really love seeing what's happening, maybe pick out a specific event, you know, saw that you went on a great vacation, uh, tell me about that, or how are things going for you? So you don't want to start right from the gate, hi, it's great to connect with you, I'm now in real estate. You, know, you, you need to reestablish that genuine connection. And so that opens the door to a conversation and most often will lead to, how are you doing? What are you doing these days? And that's when you can naturally in the conversation, let them know that you've made a change and that you're available and you're ready to start working for them and, and the friends and their sphere of influence as well. Nice. Cindy, when you first started out in this venture in real estate after years in higher ed, um, in the early days, what percentage of your clients, if you could just ballpark it for us, were from your sphere? And then how quickly were you able to get beyond your sphere and begin to get clients outside of that? Well, uh, for me, it was a little bit different in that I had done real estate in the past part-time. So I had a real estate license back in the early 2000s, and I initially intended on transitioning from higher ed into full-time real estate at that point. Uh, but then, you know, as you know, the market kind of changed drastically around 2008. So I stayed in higher ed and continued on that path. 
But I had sold a number of properties during that time. So that was one of the first groups I circled back and I looked to see if they were still in those homes that they had bought or if they had, you know, sold again. And that was a way to connect with them. But my first uh, year back in real estate full time was the business directly came from my sphere of influence, my close friends and family and or referrals that they made uh, to me during that first year. My second year back full time still comes from that immediate circle, but I have now, it's now branched out into referrals from the first year. Uh, And so it's now starting to grow. I was actually a little bit more nervous about my second year than I was my first year. I know sometimes real estate agents are really nervous about that first year. Where is that business going to come from? But I had a good feeling that my sphere of influence, my friends, families would refer business to me in that first year. So I was actually a little bit more nervous about the second year because I thought, well, now I've worked through my close contacts and where is it going to come from? But it does, if you do a good job with that first group, then the referrals, the trust building relationships, then to then continue to provide referrals for you. So my takeaway from that answer is a great answer is every engagement, every interaction, uh, the more value we add, the more professional that that we're able to, through our professional services, that we're able to benefit our clients, the more likely they will naturally tell others about that. So every contact, every engagement is very important to continuing to v- build your network. Absolutely. And I think if someone were to ask me, what's the best advice you would give to someone you know, half your age or a lot younger starting out in career or life or school or whatever, it really does start with the foundation of relationships, that every relationship you have should be important and it should matter and you should nurture it very well because it most often will be a seed that you plant probably unknowingly that will produce fruit for you sometime down the road. So relationships, and I will say that I think part of my success starting in, back in real estate again full-time, fortunately, was because I had good relationships that I've built over the past with people that I have come in contact with. And so those relationships are, are important regardless of what you're doing. Cindy, one of the um, aspects I would imagine to be challenging as a real estate agent are those occasions where you have to deliver some tough news or a tough message to a client. Uh, disappointing news to a client from time to time. Uh, All leaders are faced with that. Uh, As a real estate agent, when you are faced with that, there are usually some pretty high stakes, um, you know, in play. How have you gone about delivering tough news or a disappointing message to clients? Well, first of all, I mentally prepare myself for that conversation first. Um, because typically I will have some type of heads up that I'm going to have to have that conversation before, you know, I'm actually face to face or on the phone with them. So I spend a little bit of time mentally preparing. And what I mean by that is that I know what I need to say. I think about why I need to say it. And then I think about how I want to say it. I folded in with that is I try to anticipate how the client is going to react to that news. And in an ideal situation, we've already built the type of relationship where I understand their wants, their needs, where their pressure points are, um, how they communicate, how they like receiving information, which again ties back into what we were just talking about is building relationships. And many times in a real estate transaction, you're building a a very intensely focused relationship in in a fast, short amount of time. Um, So hopefully we've established that type of relationship too, where I'm going to know 
how or I can easily anticipate the best way to give that news and how they're going to react to that. Um, and then I think also part of that is starts before you even get to the point of having to give bad news, you should start out the entire process and trans- transaction by setting expectations. And so you might do a little bit of education to say, okay, here's how this process is going to work. When we do this, this is going to happen. When that happens, here are a few different things that could, could transpire from that. And then when that's finished, the next thing that's going to happen is this. And when this happens, this is what's going to take place after that. And so you're, you're coaching them through each part of the process, breaking it down into tiny bits that are digestible and easily understood. And hopefully that as well, if you have done some work on the front end, educating them, hopefully you've already, it's something that you've already said, remember, we talked, this might be an issue and here's, you know, here's what's happening and here's how we need to address it. Cindy, let me follow up on an aspect of something you said. You you uh, noted that in a in a real estate uh, relationship, um, a lot of times the it's an intensely focused and fast moving relationship. How do you go about building trust rapidly? I think it, well, again, like I mentioned before, every interaction that you have is important. Every communication you have with that person is important and should have should be intentional. Uh, but you also you want to find the balance between personal. So you're learning, you know, making a personal connection to them, but you're also building trust that I'm an expert in this field and I can uh, I can lead you through this process, um, and you are safe to trust me to lead you through this process. And I think it just is being available, answering their questions. Uh, truly, there are no no dumb questions, as you often hear. Uh, and, you know, they, they are entrusting one of the largest purchases of their life to you to help you through that process. And so I think it becomes very quickly apparent to customers or clients that you know what you're doing um, when you truly are able to communicate efficiently to them in a manner that they can understand, that you don't speak in uh, you know, real estate jargon, uh, you know, because with any business, you could, it develops its own language and you forget that, you know, don't forget that they don't do it every day. That's why they fired you because you do do it every day, but you need to translate that information to them. Great reminder about, uh, speaking in, in common everyday language, uh, even though, uh, you're an expert in the field that your client isn't, and they're counting on you for that expertise, but you need to be able to speak the same language. I want to go back to setting expectations. Have you had the experience where um, you just couldn't get on the same page with a client with regard to their expectations for, for the engagement together, you being their real estate agent, what they expected you were absolutely not confident you could deliver uh, whatever that may be. Have you had one of those yet and and how did it go? And if not, what would you do? Yes, I think, uh, you know, it doesn't take long being in real estate uh, before you will have a situation, whether you are working with a seller or a buyer, where their expectations may not necessarily meet the demands of the market. So what I mean by that is, um, perhaps they have a home that needs some repair and some general upkeep, yet they would like to sell that home for the highest price possible. And so that those expect two expectations may not necessarily go hand in hand with each other. And so there will be times where you try to coach someone through 
you know, the uh, process of this is typically what the market's looking for in this situation. This is typically how buyers react to this type of thing. And there are some situations where they may not necessarily agree with you. They may not necessarily believe that to be the case. Uh, and I think the, the, the biggest benefit I can give to myself is to realize that whatever they are saying or however they are reacting um, and whatever their feedback they're giving to me is not personal about me. This is a, you know, they're selling a home or they're buying a home. It's a big purchase. There are a lot of uh, emotions involved in those factors. And so I think you just have to try your best to remain confident, to remain uh, steady you know, to, uh, because you need to be the, I guess, the, the steering wheel keeping the vehicle on track towards the goal, towards the finish line. They may be emotionally, uh, you know, swayed by whatever's happening. Maybe they're getting lower offers than what they were like. And so they're, they're trying to, you know, they're trying to grab the wheel and make the car swerve all over the road. And you have to be that, that voice of reason to say, you know, this is our path. This is how we're, how we're moving forward. This is why this is happening. Try to remain calm and, and reassure them um, throughout the process that you you do have their best interest in mind throughout the entire process. Great reminders well beyond just the real estate spectrum about navigating um, expectations and when there's some stress and pressure involved, how significant it is for the leader, in your case, you, to remain composed and not take those moments of frustration Personally, uh, that w- would be perhaps par for the course with someone in a in a high stakes venture like buying or selling a home. Cindy, we right. we've already mentioned you made a career change, um, and and I'd like to ask you. After years in in higher education, you made this change to full time real estate. What advice would you give to someone who is considering a career change? after they had several years uh, in their first career? Right. Well, one thing that we talked about earlier, again, was building the relationships that, you know, no matter what you're doing, even if you're not thinking about a career change, continue to focus on the relationships and genuine connections with people, because that will serve you well, not only with regards to, to careers, but just life in general. But more specifically, thinking about a career change, I would say educate yourself about what it is that you want to move into. What are the educational requirements that you're going to need? What are the licensure requirements for that particular career or position? What's the typical salary? Is that higher, lower, about the same than where you are? What's the pay structure? Is it the same or, or vastly different from what you've been used to in the past? And are you prepared to handle that change? Uh, you know, for example, going from higher education, obviously I went from a, uh, you know, monthly salaried paycheck to 100% commission. And so I had to really spend some time thinking about, am I prepared for that? What if business is slow? How am I going to handle the slow times? What type of benefits are available? Um, I would say talk with people that are doing what you already, what you want to do. Spend some time listening from people who are doing it. I mentioned earlier, you know, we live in an information-rich environment. There is information available that you can Google, you can YouTube videos, you can uh, go to uh, negotiate, uh, negotiate, sorry, you can go to um, networking meetings and meet people. 
Uh, you can read books, you can listen to podcasts. I mean, there's just, there's information everywhere. So it, it would be difficult, I think, to make an uninformed decision in the, you know, the day and age that we live for. And then I would just say, uh, you know, plan for the change ahead of time and then plan for unanticipated bumps in the road as well. What are the things that might come up that might be a, a small bump along the way? Because changes, you know, may not always go 100 uh, percent smoothly all, all throughout the process. Cindy, even though that you had been in real estate in a part-time manner previously, I'm curious, what's been the biggest challenge for you moving into a full-time self-employed type role? Well, you know, it's funny because we talk about leadership and I have been in leadership positions uh, in the past where I have supervised a number of people, whether it was a, you know, a small group of five or six or a larger group of 25 to 30. And, but sometimes the hardest person to lead and motivate is myself. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, it's the old, it's the old nature, I guess, of our being where it's easier for me to look at someone else and say, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to do it. Uh, But sometimes it's harder to to tell myself those things and hold myself accountable. So uh, I think outside of that, it was making the change of a very regimented, you know, very eight to five type environment or eight to whatever it took type environment um, to a completely different schedule and working independently. I still, you know, a lot of real estate agents work from home or work from a coffee shop or, or wherever they're comfortable. I tend to come to the office still pretty much every day, unless I'm out looking at properties or looking for properties, because for me, it's, it provides the structure that I need. It just feels different when I leave the house and I go to the office because it sets my mindset. I'm at work. I'm working. Um, So that's one discipline I've carried over from my previous career into this career as well. Uh, Cindy, the uh, concept of boundaries. Um, I I know many small business owners who are just uh, because of the nature of small business, uh, you are doing everything in many cases, um, you know, you're in your case, you're working on commission and, and when you have a client, you, you need to be, to be working. Um, how have you gone about trying to establish boundaries that protect and provide for a healthy Cindy in addition to having a, a thriving business? Well, that's a great question, and I don't know that I've done a a fabulous job of that simply by nature of the business because oftentimes in real estate, initially, you are dealing with very time-sensitive and deadline-driven contracts, offers, uh, and business, especially with the way the market is right now when a new home comes on the market that matches a buyer's criteria. It is very competitive, so you have to be available to go see it, write the offer, start the negotiation process right then. So if you are in that situation where you have active buyers then and you know what the market status is right now, you have to plan for that and build in your schedule. So obviously, I'm not going to schedule a week-long cruise when I have three active buyers right now because I need to be available for them. However, I can plan ahead for that, and I can work with another agent in the office to say, in three months, I'm going to be out of town. Will you, you know, can we work together? Can we partner so that my clients are still well taken care of? I think also it's understanding your own personal boundaries and limits and what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with. Um, because some agents will tell you, I turn my phone off at nine o'clock and I don't, you know, take calls, check emails, text until the next morning. That may work for one person. It may not. That's, 
that's not really my style. I tend to be um, more, want to be more available, even if it's 1130 at night and I get a text from a client. Um, But that's personally because I'm okay with that. If I wasn't okay with that, but I was still letting people contact me at 1130 PM, that would create a problem for me, which would then possibly create a problem for my relationship with my client. But that would be my fault because I am working outside my own comfort zone. So it's, it's my responsibility to know what are my boundaries, what am I comfortable with, and make sure that I work within those boundaries and also let other people know. And, you know, I might say, I am happy to be in contact with you, uh, you know, at all times of the day. I tend to stop responding to emails or texts around 10 o'clock at night. So if you have a question or you need me before that, you know, please feel free to, to reach out. I think that would be a, a reasonable expectation to set with a client. That's good. Do you have those type of conversations during the, the if you will, the onboarding of a new client to somewhat establish the way you work, what their expectations are regarding your availability, uh, et cetera? Do you go over those uh, issues pretty explicitly? I don't know that it's very explicitly as in we sit down and have a meeting at a table before we actually start working together, but there are very natural ways to work those types of things into conversation. Because as you're walking through a house, you're typically also having just general conversation and chit chat. So it's very easy to say, um, oh, yes, well, you know, maybe we're in a house and and we say, well, we're going to write this offer and, uh, you know, here's how that's going to go. I will be available to you all evening long to answer questions or, uh, you know, there are ways that you can work into a conversation where it just feels more natural and, and, uh, and not very regimented. Now, sometimes I will say that on the, on the flip side, there are sometimes occasionally that clients, some clients that perhaps work a little bit differently and you may have to be a little bit more clear and set some boundaries. I have had a couple of those, but what I will say is that it worked well. Because I think once everybody understands this is how this works and they're on the same page, then it tends to work very well. Cindy, I just have to ask you a real estate question as we we close out. (laughs) Uh, In my lifetime, I don't remember the housing market um, ever being what it is today. Um, And for, uh, you know, in my limited knowledge of that market, uh, it really appears to be a seller's market right now in terms of you put a house on the market and it seems that a lot of those are going quickly and for full uh, asking price and maybe more. What does the market, um, to the best of your ability, um, what does it look like in the next six months to a year? Well, that's the answer that every real estate agent would love to have, to know exactly what is going to happen in the next six months to a year. Uh, But you are very correct that right now it is very much a seller's market. And by that, we mean that there are very few houses on the market for sale. So there's a very low inventory. And so what is happening right now is you have a house that goes on the market. If it's in a decent price condition location, then it is going to sell most likely within 24 to 48 hours. There are going to be multiple offers. It is not unheard of right now for a house to receive 12, 15, or even more offers on the same property. Um, so it's, and then it's going to be a bidding war. It's most likely going to sell for above what they're asking for. Talking about setting expectations, building relationships with clients, that's one of the first conversations we have to have with buyers right now is, you know, when a house comes on the market that you like, here's what's going to happen. And it's going to be total madness for the first 24 to 48 hours. Um, 
down the road, I think regardless of of how the, the market itself or the national economy changes, for a while, we're still going to have an inventory problem. Right now, interest rates are good. People are refinancing their homes and they're staying where they are. They're not selling because the interest rates are so good that they're refinancing and staying where they are. Um, it will be interesting to see how the housing market potentially catches up once all of the viruses sort of in our rearview mirror, people who were potentially laid off or temporarily laid off at some point, uh, will, will the, uh, housing market catch up if they find themselves in a position of not being able to afford their homes, if they had unfortunately some change from the virus. But, uh, I think our biggest, one of our biggest issues right now is just a total lack of inventory. And so, you know, to provide inventory in the real estate market, you either have to have people who are selling their homes, putting them on the market, or you have to have new construction, you know, people creating new inventory by building new homes. That process takes a little bit longer right now uh, because you have to have the land and then the building materials are very expensive right now. So I think it will take a little bit of, of time for the inventory to match up to the demand. Well, in just a moment, listeners, I'll be providing Cindy's email address. And if you've got a house to sell, uh, she'd be willing, <laughs> certainly willing to, to help you sell it. Cindy, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you bringing us along board your transition, your professional transition, and giving us some insight into how you did that and also your experience in being self-employed. Anything else you'd like to mention? Well, I will say that I just absolutely love it. I, you know, I have loved uh, everywhere I have worked. And honestly, for me, people I have worked with in, in whatever capacity or role uh, I have had are what makes my jobs or my careers enjoyable. And I get to use a lot of the same skills uh, that I had in higher ed in real estate. And that really is helping people through a process that may seem daunting or uh, you know, larger than life that they've never been through. And they're only going to go through it one or two times in their life. And so most, most of the times are, you know, very few times. And so uh, I still get to do what I enjoy doing, which is taking a process that seems intimidating and difficult, breaking it down into smaller digestible bits that make sense. Awesome. Cindy, thanks again for being with us. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leadership Upside, where we discuss what successful leaders in diverse organizations are doing, saying, and thinking. Today, our guest has been Cindy Sweet. If you'd like to contact Cindy, her email, you can connect with her. Her email is Cindy, C-Y-N-D-I, at LeConteCompanies.com, and I'll spell that L-E-C-O-N-T-E. C-O-M-P-A-N-I-E-S dot com. Cindy at LaConteCompanies.com. Cindy, really appreciate your experiences, sharing your experiences and insights. Leaders, as you lead today, lead well. I look forward to next time on Leadership Upside. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. Head over to ChuckCarringer.com for more information.